On this episode of the Fear Me Out podcast, Justine Hamilton joins me in talking about spirituality and religion, how they're entwined, how they're not the same thing, all the different aspects of how organized religion influences people and how spirituality can be a huge part of your life in a very positive way, separate from religion. Uh, Again, I'm a little cynical, as I always have been about the experiences I've had personally in organized religion. I think you'll find this episode really interesting and uh, hopefully beneficial. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now with Dr. Dana Saperstein. Welcome to the Fear Me Out podcast. Today I'm joined by Justine Hamilton, and we're going to have a conversation about religion and spirituality. Uh, But before we start, I just want to uh, apologize ahead of time for my cynical, uh, difficult attitude when it comes to organized religion. Are you going to ask for forgiveness? I I think I am right now, actually. (laughs) To God. (laughs) Right. Mm, That's a hard one because I'm not always sure that God and religion are hooked up with each other. But... um, what I will say is that because of my, because of the shame that was imposed upon me in the name of organized religion as a kid, and all the horrible stories I've heard of people that have been molested by clergy and, and harmed in other ways by organized religion, sometimes it's hard for me to be as kind and open as I could be. But I do understand that people get great benefit out of their religious affiliation, at least I can understand that intellectually. <laughs> so I'd like to, uh, uh, Justine's going to start off by giving us a definition of spirituality and religion. Okay. Hi, everyone. So I think we should define them because they are, some people think they're interchangeable. Some people think they're the same thing. Some people think you can't have one without the other. Some believe the opposite. So the definition of religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman power of powers, especially a god or gods. Okay, and then the definition of spirituality is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. So it sounds like either religion is the belief in a god, and then the spirituality is a belief in more of your human spirit and how that can you can do good with that. Although I have to say that I do believe strongly in God, but I don't believe in a religious God. Right. I mean, I, 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 feel, I feel like that's possible because uh, I've had many, many experiences where I've experienced God's love, energy, help, and all that sort of stuff, but it's never happened in an organized religious context. So you're, you would say that's more of a spiritual belief than a religious belief, correct? Well, at least for me. Well, up until I was probably in my at least my mid thirties, and I know I've said this before, but I've uh, when somebody asked me if I was religious, I would say that 
Yeah, I'm an antagonist. That's my religion. Mm-hmm. Not an atheist or agnostic, but antagonistic. <laughs> and and mostly that was born out of the pain of being forced as a kid to go to Hebrew school and have a bar mitzvah and all that stuff. Yeah. And I can't even tell you how much I hated it. Yeah. It was horrible. Because I figured, you know, why would you want to go to school after regular school right. when you can go play baseball or have fun with your friends? So I mean, I think even probably the most religious kids don't like going to church <laughs> yeah. during the week, let alone maybe on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Um, but, but on top of it, my parents, when I would beg them not to make me go, they would say to me, this is the only thing we ever ask of you. That's from our episode of Shame. Exactly. That's how that works. So I remembered feeling like I got punched in the stomach. Yeah. But because I was stubborn, I'd say, well, ask me to do something else, not yeah. this. I beg of you. And then they would bring in the superpower weapons and they would say, you got to do this for your mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. We yeah. never ask you to do anything. Do this for your mom. Why didn't they say God? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with that. I mean, it was really, truly a function of the fact, I think that my parents grew up in an incredibly anti-Semitic world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they suffered terribly as children. Uh, right. I think my mom had her nose broken a couple of times. And what do you mean? Had her nose broken by By anti-Semitic kids? people that threw rocks at her because she was Jewish. When she was a kid or when she was an adult? When she was a kid. Wow. So they had some pretty awful experiences growing up. Plus, I'm certain that half of my relatives are more... Uh, died in the Holocaust. So um, my parents really identified as being Jewish, although neither one of them had a spiritual bone in their body. Isn't that funny? There was no sense of gratitude or feeling of any kind of connection to God. It was more, at least in my dad's grandiose view of the world, that Jews are like the chosen people and that everybody should know that Jewish people are superior to everybody else. And then he would give me a litany of all these really famous, powerful Jewish people Mm -hmm. in the world. And um, when he, when he was became an adult, he only would live in areas where he was surrounded by other Jewish people. Oh, interesting. Just because he felt more comfortable or because he thought they were the chosen people? No, because it was safe for him. Say, okay, so yeah, out of safety. It was safety more than anything because oh as a kid, you know, he had to experience all kinds of horrible stuff. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, and, and worse for my mom even than my dad. Um, my mom told me that after World War II that they took in uh, Holocaust survivors Mm -hmm. uh, that came to Canada where they lived. And that as a kid, it was really scary for her because obviously the people that came out of concentration camps were fairly messed up by the experience. Yeah, a little PTSD. She told me one day she remembers walking down the hallway of the house she lived in and, and looked at this woman who was laying in bed. And on top of the bed, the bed was filled with food and wrappers and, I mean... The, the person was so starved when she was oh. in the concentration camp that she couldn't exist without being surrounded by food all the time. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, I don't know, six or seven at this time. And yep. She said it was really scary. Yeah. But then they, as you grew up, they were pretty religious or... Uh, I'm not sure that they... Well, uh, we were identified as conservative Jews, not mm-hmm. Orthodox, although my parents, my mom uh, was raised in an orthodox world mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, my dad, you know, the only thing he believed in was money, right. which I guess is a Jewish trait. <laughs> but but as far as his religion went, it was money. Wow. But it was always accompanied by the, the idea that, you know, being a Jewish person was a special thing and it's something to 
be proud of. I have no idea why they wanted me to have a bar mitzvah. I, it's still for the life of me. Well, for the for the show, for the for the friends, for the family. I, I mean, I, I guess it, it didn't seem like it at the time. Did you do it? Did you have one? Uh, I had to. I mean, I, they made me feel so terrible every time I resisted that I did just you know force myself to do it. Yeah. Although I remember. Right before, like about a year or so before when I was doing the formal training, mm-hmm. my Hebrew school teacher, she was actually a really nice woman. And she said to me, well, are you excited? And, you know, and, he, yeah. and I looked at her and I said, well, are you out of your mind? I hate this. She yes. said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not here on my free will. <laughs> I'm forced. And she said, well, I got to talk to your parents about this. And I said, don't you dare. Right, right. Right. You'll just never see me again after my bar mitzvah. Right. I'm done with this crap. That's so funny. But I got to do this because my parents are forcing me to. I don't have a choice. Yeah. And so let's just let it go with that. Yeah. I and don't think she was particularly happy about that, but, you know, and the only time I went to Temple uh, again was on to my brother's bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, because I was a mischief maker, I got him high for the first time oh, on his great. way to his bar mitzvah. Nice move, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Which I laugh about. Yeah. He doesn't think it's no. funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I grew up Lutheran and, um, you know, we were, I think it was sort of just a time and I grew up in the Midwest. And so you spend a lot of your time, the whole, your whole social life sort of revolves around church. So I didn't go to a lot of bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. I remember the first (laughs) Jewish girl I met in first grade, Ruth Hammond, which is so funny. I read a little story about her. Um, but I was just, I've only been to one or two bat mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs in my life. And I'm going to one next month. And I'm so excited because I see how excited the family is. I see, I don't know, the tradition and the community and the closeness around all of it. I I think it's wonderful. I think it's, you know, I grew up and I had to get confirmed and like, you have to like, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, actually, you have to learn all the, the verses of the Bible. But it's not the same thing. There's not the big, just such a strong emotional community feeling like there is around the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. And I'm, I think that's amazing. So I don't, you know, it, for me, it's more about like, I love so much that it's not a religious thing to me. It's just, I love the community that this religion, you know, kind of pulls forward through these acts. And so I'm excited. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm it's fun. Yeah. I hope you have a good time. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure I will. I'm not having to pay for it either, so oh, definitely yeah, there you have go. a good time. The only time I've been to Temple as an adult, I thought to myself, you know, I should go and see what it's like, just to try to have an open mind. Yeah. I picked the wrong Friday night service to go to. Because? Because the uh, rabbi was giving a sermon on the Jews being the chosen people and how much su- more superior Jewish people are than Everybody else. Okay, that's not nice. <laughs> well, and I, I sat there and I thought to myself, oh, this is so fucked up. Did your dad write? This is why you? I hate this shit, because yeah. why do we have to be divisive? Why exactly. do we? Why does everybody have to think that their way is the right way? And no, that, I know. And that everybody else is, you know, misled in some... It doesn't feel right. Well, it sure know? didn't feel right to me, because I got up and left right in the middle of the, of the thing, because I just thought, this yeah. is why I hate this place yeah yeah and i'm never coming back here again no well what sort of religion tells you that you're better than someone else or that you know every religion as far as i can tell yes right in different in different aspects but that is the most 
unspiritual, unreligious thing that you can do. Well, that was my feeling, but again, I'm very cynical because of my experience and because of the very sad things I've heard that people have had to endure in the in the name of organized religion. Yeah, well, that's happened a lot, right? Especially in the Catholic well, Church. And- I mean, sadly, as a somebody who specializes in drama, yeah, I hear a lot of terrible things. Yeah. So it's it's certainly not helped me be more open minded. Do you, and you hear terrible things of things that were done to to people, or you hear terrible things of how religion has made people feel. I would say both. I mean, okay. I, I worked with with a fellow who's he and his two brothers were molested by the same priest. Right. I knew somebody whose uh, girlfriend committed suicide because of the they, they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and she was going out with a fellow who uh, was not a witness, mm-hmm. and the family was forced to disown the daughter. Mm-hmm. Because she was not cooperating with their doctrine. And so, you know, sadly, she took her own life because she felt so abandoned. Right. And in my mind, any religion that forces you to choose between your child or the religion, I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah. there's something really wrong no, with that. I, I agree. Yeah. that And that, I don't know how often that happens um, where, you know, people really are divided by it. And it's, it's really sad. At the same time, I don't think I'm as cynical as you are. Right. I'm not, I wouldn't say I am religious now. I grew up, like I mentioned, you know, going to church every Sunday, but it was more just, it was what we did on Sunday mornings. For me, it just, it was a way of of life. And if I can learn good things about being a kind person and a good person and helping others and not coveting someone, someone's wife or whatever. Those are great lessons to have. And so I think that if you can go through religion and pull out all the good parts, that parts that make you be a better person, then it's done its job. But when it's devising, or devising people and it is making you feel shameful, which I think is a big part of religion, I always have a hard time with, you know, like you had mentioned, like the clergyman or, you know, you go and you confess your sins to this man in a box and that on top of all these cult leaders that have happened over the last, whatever, 50, 60 years that are no better than anyone else. And usually what happens is, you know, the more power they get in the name of religion, the worse they become. And then it affects a lot of people. And so it's just, I don't know, the perfect religion is spirituality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're now you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> that was certainly wasn't my experience until I, you know, and again, in previous podcasts, I've talked about how sort of God came into my life in a really powerful way. It never would have happened if I had to have, if I needed it to happen in a religious setting. Yeah, right. Because get me to go to church or temples, like, you know, I'd rather go to the dentist. Yeah. They need to have a they need to have a new word for spirituality. It needs a rebrand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know when you say God, we th- I automatically think God and heaven and Jesus and Mary and all of that. Right. But when we say spirituality, I think that term can also be confusing because you know, the definition that I just read talks about you just um believing in in just human emotions versus, you know, a, a god or a person. But spirituality can be everything at the same time. Like I feel really spiritual when I'm going for a walk in nature and I am 
present and I'm listening to the birds and I'm looking at the leaves and I'm feeling my feet on the ground. That to me is a spiritual experience. Doesn't really, I don't know if it makes me a spiritual person, but there are so many people that think that if, okay, you know, I'm going to meditate and then, you know, I'm just going to let things come as they are and, you know, whatever. But at the same time, they go home and they kick the dog. That's not a spiritual person. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it just, it needs a little rebrand of like, can we have a religion that is spiritual? Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been. Mean, can you do that, Dana? Can you like, can you help well, me with this Well, mission? I'm not sure how to do that because a lot of people really enjoy connections with other people in a spiritual context. Like they like the feeling of maybe being in a church service or whatever, right. not necessarily because of the message, but just the feeling hundred percent of sharing that with other people. I'm not that kind of a person. I don't feel the need to connect with other people in a, in a formal way. Yeah. So, um, I'm the same except for, I have to say last night I, I drove my daughter to volleyball practice and uh-huh. it was, um, in this gym at this church that I had never been to before. And I don't care what religion it is, what building it is, every time I walk into a church, that energy is different. It feels different to me. It's a serene thing just comes over me. And it's, it it happens every single time. I used to go to a church and only because, and I didn't really, again, like, you know, they talk about Jesus and Mary and I, I don't know if, I don't know, like anyone, no one else knows either. I don't know if that's, you know, really the truth or of just some made up story. But I went to this church pretty frequently because the presence of the minister was so powerful and you just felt like God or whoever put her in this room and it changed sort of the energy around the room. It changed me. I felt such peace and I would go there and I would just be there to be in this beautiful room and feel her presence And not even really, and then she'd start talking about, you know, she's doing her job. She'd start talking about the Bible or a Bible verse. I'm like, that's when I would just start zoning out because I don't know if I really believe that. But she definitely had, again, a spiritual presence for me. And I think probably for a lot of people because she literally took this little church that no one was going to anymore to packing the pews immediately. And unfortunately, she's she's left our community. But um, she she... She brought in a lot of people, so I could see who people, people that are into sort of the community of, of religion, et cetera, I could see how she would be a big draw. And then once again, it goes back to, these are just people. It comes back to... It, they're just people. She's oh, just, just a person. People. She's right. she's not God, you know, but they right. end up getting put up on this pedestal, and if she wasn't a great person, you know, bad things can happen, and that's what we've seen with cults and the Vatican and everything else. So part of the reason why I wanted to do a podcast was to uh, sort of introduce people to the notion that if you want to feel connected to God in a really powerful way, the the most effective way that I've been able to find is through your intuition. Right. I'm Tell not, us about that. I've not necessarily heard that in any religious philosophy, although I have to be honest, I've never read the Bible I've never read the Quran. I'm not familiar really with anything other than things I've heard in passing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether it says any of that in the Bible. But people always say to me that they pray and they, you know, 
or looking to sort of get an answer, but they tell me that they never get it. And I said, well, what about your intuition? And most people, it's never occurred to them that that might be one of the ways that God, higher self, whatever you want to call it, right. spirit, uh, speaks to us and connects with us. Through your intuition. Uh-huh. And so again, it's just about getting quiet and listening. Well, first asking and then first listening. Because I don't, I mean, again, it's hard for me to imagine that God would impose anything on anybody. Mm-hmm. Because how would it be God if it's an imposition? But that's what happens, right? When a child dies or a husband leaves or someone's you know, struck down or they, people always say, what kind of God would do this? Right. Well, same with earthquakes, acts what we call acts of God. Right, right. Earthquakes and tornadoes and all of that stuff. I don't know. I guess the way I rationalize it is that God has influence but does not have the ability to control anything. So who's controlling that? I don't think that anything. I mean, look, if I build my house on an earthquake fault mm-hmm. and then there's a big earthquake that destroys my house, mm-hmm. how does that have anything to do with God? Well, I think that people that believe that believe God did that to teach you a lesson. <laughs> to teach me not to build my house on a fault? I sh- well, shouldn't I know that sh- better ahead of time? No, I mean, I think we probably should have brought a theologian in here because <laughs> you and I are just... <laughs> well, but I okay. think they, you know, it's about life is, you know, God, life is a struggle. And God has said that life isn't easy and things are going to happen. And that's, I don't know why either. But if you choose to live in Oklahoma, as an example, and a tornado comes and tears up your community. Yes. How does that have anything to do with God? That's your choice to put yourself in a dangerous environment. This is when he gets really cynical, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but then you go on the news and you see those people in Oklahoma going, well, it was God's will. Exactly. And yeah, I, I don't know either, but there is some force I have no idea what it is, uh-huh. um, and it could just be, you know, natural disaster. Right. Um, but somehow we all got here. Yes. And we need some smarter people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I can go by in my own personal life is experience. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. anything other than that, to me, is um, sort of what I might call blind faith. Yeah. Because I'm a hard sell, and the only way that I'm ever going to believe in anything is if I experience it myself. Yes. And I do believe I've been fortunate enough to experience the influence of what I call God in many, many powerful ways. Have you told that story? I mean, I think I know that story a little bit, but have you told the story on the podcast about how, you know, not a believer at all, and then basically had to get hit over the head by... I I did in a previous episode. I mean, again... It happened in a way to help me understand trauma that I didn't remember. Yeah. Um, and it happened in such an unusual manner, something coming into my life and right. helping me solve a riddle of what happened to me in, in a way that is really hard to believe that's even true. Mm-hmm. But I do remember waking up the next morning thinking to myself, uh, my world just turned upside down. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, Sounds for like me especially, move. for yeah. Mr. Cynical here, yeah. uh, to go from absolutely using all of my energy to make fun of people and to denounce the notion of God and spirituality to waking up the next day thinking, "Uh Oh, I've been wrong about this Mm -hmm, my whole mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. And that really God does exist. And if I'm willing to tap into that um, and surrender myself to it, 
it can certainly change my life and help me help the people that find their way into my world. And how did you figure out how to tap into that? Well, I saw it in my friend Catherine when she presented me the information. Yes. So I thought, well, there's nothing necessarily special about her other than her talent in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. But her I gift. don't think that she's any more important than you or I or anybody else. Mm-hmm. So if she can do it, why can't everybody do it in their own way? So then it just struck my curiosity. Well, how is this going to work for me? Mm-hmm. Because I, I really felt that if I could allow myself to be aided in doing what she did for me with other people, it would make a huge difference in my ability to... Um, to be of service. So is that what you did? Did you ask and then list, like, did you ask and then listen, say, listen, God, come and help me with my practice? And well, it wasn't quite, it didn't happen quite in that moment. It was more, I was, it, it took me a while to get over the shock of what happened. Number it did. one, uh, because <laughs> I was, can imagine what that day was like. It, it was so dramatic that, um, were you just dumbfounded for completely beyond? For, yeah. Because yeah. I just would, I mean, to have your belief system so drastically changed in a way that even somebody like me, who's super stubborn and a real hard sell, to wake up going, oh man, everything's different now. Mm-hmm. What did your family, how did they react? I think it was a little scary at first. Like, I think my wife was kind of looking at me like, oh, who's this guy? Uh-huh. My kids were too young. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, like two and four, yeah. maybe a little older. So they didn't really, it didn't affect them in any way. But um, it was a really powerful awakening. And then about maybe six months later, I remember, um, and I've described this in a previous podcast, but again, I remember going to sleep one night and being in an enormous amount of pain and doubt because I just wasn't sure what what this all meant because everything changed so much. And so that night I had a dream, and I'll I'll repeat it again because I think it's important, but I had a dream that, I was living in the house that I went to high school in, and I was far away from that home by, I don't know, 15 years or more. And there was a knock at the door, and I opened the door, and God was standing there. Mm-hmm. Now, God was standing there as a man, but God gave me the message in that moment that um, God does not have a gender. But in order for me to have a conversation with God, God had to show up as a person. Right. Because I'm not going to just open the door and then talk to you know, nothing. Right, right, right. The ghost, the white sheet. <laughs> yeah. So my first response is, I said, I remember, oh my God, what are you doing here? And God said, well, I came to answer your questions and help you understand what my purpose in your life is. You remember all of this super, super vividly. Oh, it's as clear as if it happened when I was wide awake. Right. And I'm not even sure if I was awake or asleep when mm-hmm. this happened because it was so stunning. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to listen because and God said, well, I came here because I could see how much pain you were in. And I just wanted things to be as clear as possible so that you would know if that if you choose to have me in your life, this, this is what I have to offer you. Right. So the first thing that God said to me was, I'm here so that whenever you need to feel loved, all you got to do is think about me and you will feel love because what God is, is love. Yeah. The essence of love. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, God said to me, the only time you don't feel is when you turn away from me because I never turn away from anyone. So if you're willing to keep connected to me and anytime you need to feel loved, I'm here. 
And I just thought, that's pretty cool. I like that idea. Yeah, that's pretty basic. Yeah, very nice, very basic. Yeah. I, and, and I said, okay, is there anything else? And God said, yeah, um, human beings have a really hard time with forgiveness. And it really gets in the way of how we live in the world. So part of my role in your life is to help you garner forgiveness from the people that you've hurt, to help you forgive the people that have hurt you, and to help you forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Because um, forgiveness, the lack of forgiveness really interferes with our sense of well-being. Makes sense. So I thought to myself, that sounds wonderful. I mean, I'm hoping you can help me with that. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you say, now tell me about Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> then you would have all the answers, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he well, your son? Is he the what? <laughs> all right. I mean, I think if I would have heard the word Jesus, I would have slammed the door because <laughs> I've not been very nice to when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house. Uh-huh. Anyway, I said, well, is there anything else? And God said, yeah, there's one more thing for right now that is really important for you to think about. And that's that you've chosen a, a profession to help people. And if you're willing to accept my aid, then you don't ever have to be afraid in the face of whatever anybody brings into your world. Mm-hmm. on a professional level because I'll always be there to help you and um, you don't need to be afraid because it's not on you. It's on me to help you wow. help the, help the people that find their way into your life. And there's a, that's, man, a, big, that's, that's a godsend. Home free. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's a little bit scary if somebody walks in the door and wants to die or has tried to yeah. kill themselves or, right. you know, I mean, I hear the worst of what humans do to each yes. other. Um, and did that completely change your practice? From completely. The way you, so before you, when, when patients would come in, were you a little apprehensive or nervous or didn't Sometimes, because you know? I felt like it was all on me. Right, right. And that it was up to me to figure out what I was supposed to do to help the person, um, you know, achieve whatever goals that they, they had. And it was such a relief to sort of feel Surrender. that if I was sitting in the room and I could just ask God to help me if there was something I didn't understand or I needed help with, um, that... I just find myself saying things that um, I would think, where the heck did that come from? (laughs) Because that wasn't coming from me. You've just surrendered. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, that dream was really instrumental in helping me cement that spiritual connection. Um, Right before uh, God went away, I said, God, can you just wait here for a minute? I want to go get my wife because I want to introduce you to her. Yeah. So I'm running in that house screaming, you know, for my wife to come. And she comes to the door and God's not there. Right. And again, the message I got was, it's not your doing to help your wife find me. Your wife will do it on her own. So let me ask you this. So up to that point, you know, yeah. you were semi-raised Jewish. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden God comes to your door. And what you've learned about God to this point is in, in your faith. So uh-huh. what kept you from going oh my God, I need to go back and be a practicing good Jewish person. Uh, the trauma that I suffered. Okay, so you were like, this God wouldn't have done all of, wouldn't have let all this stuff happen to me and still be the same God that is here now. No, because part of what I was doing at that time with my friend Catherine was, she was writing a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person that has an endless supply of questions Mm -hmm. like given the opportunity if i could just sit and and sort of get all my answers answered yes i I can't live long enough to get all my questions answered (laughs) 
because I got a zillion questions, but a lot of the questions I had had to do with, um, you know, God's purpose in my life. Why did you choose me? I'm not a special person. Why do I get to have all this amazing, really dramatic things happen when most people don't and blah, blah, blah. And, and whether God is, you know, uh, and, through all of this, through Catherine's writings, you uh-huh. got answers to those questions that made sense to you. Uh huh. Yeah. So, do you ever ask God this? Your God. I see. I hate saying God because it, for me, it takes me back to like. Well, Trinity you, you can call church. it whatever you want. I know. I know. We all call it. You know. I don't know if you grew up in a religious background. You just think God and that. But yes. So, do you ever ask your God now? Why? you have the physical limit limit limits that you have these days a million times over you do because it's the biggest mystery in my life is why um, my body fails on a regular basis and what answers are you and the answer i always get is that it's a defective design that it's a genetic well didn't god make you (laughs) no because well look i think that 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 um, it's a combination of science, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the biological part of things where, you know, the sperm and the egg get together. Right. But I think that when the sperm and the egg get together and create life, because not every sperm and every egg get together to create life, that it's a divine spark that happens. Okay. But I don't think that God can and does control any of anything that happens in our world. Yeah. It's only influence. Because um, how could you believe in God when all the when all us people do such horrible things to each other? Oh, I I, I agree. Because I don't think that God controls anybody or anything, and that if if even me as an example for the first thirty years of my life, there was no way in the world that I would attribute anything that happened to God in right. any way, right? Because it wasn't part of my belief system. Yeah. But then when I look back at some of the miracles that have taken place in the face of the trauma that I suffered, then I got a very different perspective. I mean, as an example, when I was 20, almost 21, I got a really strong feeling it was that I needed to quit school and go to Hawaii and move to Hawaii to go surfing. Mm -hmm. That was my thought was to go surfing. Of course you had a really strong feeling for that. (laughs) Of course. But I never thought about going to Hawaii before. Oh, interesting. And back, and this is 1970. Six, mm-hmm. early 76, you know, it's a long time ago. So going to Hawaii was actually quite adventuresome back in the, in the prehistoric days when there were still dinosaurs. Right, right. right. So my roommate and I decided we would just quit, quit college, get sell everything. Wow. And move to Hawaii. And we didn't even know anything about Hawaii. And I'm not even sure why we decided to go to Maui, of all places. Hawaii 5 <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, there was no rhyme or reason to any of it. Yeah. So um, we sell all of our stuff. It's like June of 76 and buy plane tickets to, um, to Maui. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know what we were going to do once we got there because we didn't know anything about it. So we're standing, we, we buy, <laughs> you know, standing there with our backpacks and my surfboard mm-hmm. and... Oh, and then we looked at each other like, oh, shit, we're at the airport. Or what are we supposed to do? Right? Some guy came up to us and um, said, what are you guys doing here? I said, well, we just got here, but we don't even know. Like, we must have looked like, you know, <laughs> there was something really wrong with us because we didn't know anything. He right. said, well, 
if you want, I'll give you a ride to Lahaina. Just throw your stuff in my um, in my pickup truck, and I'll give you a ride, and I'll drop you off at a hotel in, in Lahaina. And I said, well, what's Lahaina? And she said, well, it's a really nice place that, you know, tourists go to and you guys will really like it so we got in his car and he drove us to oh my god get in white boy you don't know what you're doing here <laughs> right so he drops us off at this hotel right in line and it was nice and you know we wake up the next morning and have breakfast and we're in the swimming pool trying to figure out you know what do we do next uh-huh. and this man comes up to us and says not the same man different man and says what are you guys doing here and i said oh we just moved here yesterday and we got to find jobs and a place to live. And he said, well, what do you guys do? Oh, we have lots of experience being waiters. And he, he looks and he goes, oh, I'm opening up a restaurant next week. Would oh, you guys wow. like to be my waiters? Wow. And, and we said, sure. Right. He said, all you got to do is get tuxedo pants and a shirt because it's a real fancy restaurant. So, <laughs> you know, so make sure you have your shirts by next Monday and then show up at the restaurant and told us where it was. It was right across the street from the hotel and so we you know got our pink tuxedo shirts because it was the only color that the tuxedo <laughs> rental shop would sell us it was Hawaii after all. <laughs> yeah so we got these pink ruffled shirts and you know tuxedo pants and all that and so you know that that was cool for that day mm-hmm. so the next day we um had to find a place to live so in Hawaii, you can't stick your thumb out when you're hitchhiking. You just stand by the side of the road looking like an idiot. So, we're, you know, we're standing there, and this woman drives up in a car. And we look at her and think, I know this person. It turns out that she just moved to Hawaii from the same place we lived. Come on. I had no idea that she was moving there. She was an acquaintance from San Diego, where we were living at the mm-hmm. time. She said, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're looking for a place to live. Oh, well, come with me. My next-door neighbor is moving out next week. Wow. So we go, we rent the apartment, and they say, the the guys that were living there said, you know, we're all moving back to the States. We got a car. You guys want to buy our car? So within two days, we had jobs, a car, and a place to live. Yeah. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. It is. And, you know, we were really set, and it was great, and we were having a really fun time. And one time we went to this beach that was very deserted that somebody told us about, and that's where I met my wife. Oh, and so it was all in my mind when I look back, you know, it, everything was paved. Yes. As long as I was cooperating, yes. everything was paved for me to meet the person I was destined. Did you think about that then? Like when oh, you God, were, no. No. You never. were just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, we're lucky. No, I was happy about yeah. all, all of it, but I never really considered but now you that there was back. any sort of spiritual quality to it till right. way after. Yeah. That's I'm just using this as an example. No, that's, that's, it's a fairly dramatic example. I think it's right on, but I also think you're, you're open to paying attention to that stuff where I think that happens to a lot of people Uh and they're not paying any attention. Well, I didn't then though. I have to admit it wasn't until I understood that there is lots of influence available if you're willing to allow it to become a part of your life. Yeah. Well, I think that you sometimes can't see it till after the fact right i couldn't then right but now because of the way that i sort of orient myself in a spiritual sense mm-hmm. i see it every day mm-hmm. I do and too. Uh, i mean recently again i know i'm kind of blabbing away here but i recently had an experience where one of my cats um was very ill and i could tell that he was on his last days but i didn't want to prematurely um put him to sleep because of my fear that he was in pain. Mm-hmm. So I woke up one morning and 
And I just, it was horrible because I love my little cats. And so I, I was going for a walk at the park and I was listening to music. And the song that came on was a song and the lyrics of the song were free, free, set them free. And at that very moment, I looked down and there was a chalk drawing on the sidewalk of a clock. And over the top of the clock, it said, it's time. Oh my gosh. And just before I saw all of this, I asked God to help me distinguish between yes. the fear and my intuition. Yes. And then That's I knew. That's powerful. I mean, who gets messages like that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it was so dramatic. It's very dramatic. And you're, you're, like I said, you're paying attention. I think that a lot of people, a lot of people don't. They're just going through the motions and not being present and not looking for the messages. Right. And, you know, I don't, I don't, it sounds kind of mean, but maybe even religious people, because they're so caught up in like, my religion's the right way, my God's the right way, I know uh -huh. what I'm doing, we're in a perfect little package here, right. that they don't open up their heart or their mind to anything else having that sort of intuition, right. or, you know, um, thoughts about what's what's really going on. So it's just, it's just interesting. I, I also, it seems to me that religion is sort of on the wane and spirituality is on the rise. I hope that's true. Although I'll be, be cynical again. <laughs> Don't bring in those states. <laughs> well, when I see that the born again Christian community subs, um, um, support somebody like Trump. Yeah. It makes me lose all of my faith in organized religion. I agree. But that is a small group of people versus I feel like all the young people uh -huh. um, that are just much more in tune with spirituality and the world and thought processes and aren't just like you and I were like, nope, get, get in the car. We're going to church. We're going to temple. Right. That they're just a lot smarter about it all. And so I, I don't think they're so quick to buy in to like, you know, okay, this is God and Jesus and, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Where on top of the fact, because there's so much sort of sadness and anxiety and depression in our world right now, probably more so than there ever was before, they need spirituality. Like it's going to help them. And, um, God, I was reading this book called by Lisa Miller, I think it's called the awakened brain. And it was talking about how even like, even in young kids, how spirituality is, can help them tremendously. And this, she had this case where this young girl was probably 13 years old. Her dad was shot and killed in front of her. Her mom was a heroin addict. Her grandmother, she, she had to go live with her grandmother because her mother was never around. Um, her grandmother was super um, strict, and she saw, Lisa saw her as a patient. And when she first came in the door, she was like the highest number of whatever it is, these tests that they do to can find out like if you're almost suicidal, like the normal was like a 20 or something, and this, this girl was like a 28. And she met with her over time and over time, and, you know, they finally got the grandma to lean up, uh, just lighten up a little bit, and you know, tried to just help her with her dad. And, you know, even just the fact that this little girl could talk to a therapist about all of this and, you know, get herself in there and advocate for herself and all that was going on. And then finally she went, her grandmother finally was like, okay, you can go to, you can, I mean, this little girl had barricaded herself in her room for 
months. And finally, her, she, they came to agreement she could go to this party. So she went to this party. She met this young boy who was the same age. She talked to him. She realized that he was a nice person. She found out his name was Horatio, the same name as her father who had passed. She all of a sudden was like, oh, my God, like, this, this is a sign. And she went back into Lisa's office like the week after and said, you're not going to believe this. Like, I've, I, you know, God or my dad is taking care of me and making sure that he's sending me a sign and that he's here. And of course, you know, the things with the boy went away and whatever. But that little girl started transforming on that scale and started just believing in herself. And it really did more than any therapy session, any like, you know, organized religion, anything. It was just her connection to the spiritual belief that there was something out there connecting her to her dad is what got her out of a lot of her trauma and suffering. So it's just nice that I guess religion can also do that for people, but spirituality really is helpful in terms of I mean, you, you're the therapist, not me, but I would assume it's really helpful in terms of anxiety and depression and suicide and ab- abuse and everything where you can hang on to a higher power and do practices around that meditation presence, you know, whatever. So am I right or? Oh, no, I think that you're, you're bringing up a really good point, which is how complicated does having a relationship with your higher power or whatever you want to call it, God, mm-hmm. how complicated does it need to be? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I really believe that we overcomplicate almost everything in our lives. Right. That as human beings, we're really good at making things complicated. Yes. And that it can't be possibly as simple as just having a relationship. Mm. That you got to mm. go through some sort of backflips and somersaults in order to um, earn the right, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting yeah. it. So, uh, you know, I know people that spend all kinds of energy doing meditation and this, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with any of those right. things. Um, I talked to somebody the other day that um, has used hallucinogenics for years in order to try to connect with, the, you know, God in some spiritual way. Um, the thing that makes me feel really sad is that I think it can be as simple as just having a conversation. That's not the sad part. The sad part is how complicated we make mm. it. Because, you know, I know people that go to such extremes in order to um, feel like they deserve the right in some way. Yeah. And what I try to help people understand is that unless you need it to be complicated, Mm -hmm. let it be simple. Who needs it to be complicated? Why would someone need that? Because because we're not brought up to believe that having a spiritual connection could be as simple as having a dialogue. So how does that go? Well, again, I can only give you my experience, which is um, I don't have the patience to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you're not going to find me in any setting with other people experiencing some kind of spiritual whatever. Mm-hmm. I just talk to God, just like I would talk to a person. Okay. And I keep it that simple. Right. And I feel like that dialogue takes place 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Do you feel uh, like you're just in your head saying... Well, I feel like I'm in my heart saying, okay. not my yeah, head, yeah. that I've made an agreement to surrender, not in a in a way that surrender sounds negative, but in a very positive way to that connection 
and that I'd feel like I can't live without it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live without it. I'm sure I could if I had to. It's not to say that I have a pain-free life because I actually have more pain than most people, at least on a physical level. But I also don't have the expectation that God is going to do anything other than influence if I allow it. And did you, were there steps to get to this realization or? Yeah, I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) That was my step, laziness. (laughs) And I'm also, I really do believe that it's as simple as just asking and talking. And um, sometimes I get songs that play in my head Mm -hmm. that have messages in them. Sometimes it's something I see, like when I look down and see a clock that says it's time. But you're paying attention to that. Yeah. And I I think that's where the rub is, where I I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to that. Right. So would you would you suggest the first thing is, is to ask is asking. And and again, I don't want people to believe anything that I'm saying without having their own experience. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, okay, God, how, how do I know that you're real? Yeah. How can I trust that this guy's not a lunatic if we're referring to me? And just making this shit up. I mean, yeah. I, the only way to know if it's real is by having experiences that show you that it's real. Right. And, and I think that attention. that's not going to happen against your will. Right. Because then it's not God. Right. So asking, I think, is really important. And the hardest thing is being a little bit patient while this starts to mm-hmm. unfold. Mm-hmm. Because most of us don't listen to the whisper. Yeah. Most of us don't even listen to the no, normal tone of voice. I think that is the biggest deal. I uh-huh. think that... I think that there are signs all the time, but if you're not, uh-huh. and I think that's why meditation, even though you don't do it, uh-huh. cause you, <laughs> yeah. but I think, you know, the meditation and the being quiet and the being present, that's when those, you can hear those whispers yeah. and you can see those signs. And, you know, I, we're so busy just running, running, running uh-huh. or thinking that, you know, oh, I've got to like meditate for 20 minutes a day and then right. I'm good. Right. And it's like, it's all about just quieting everything yeah and letting god speak i still hate saying god letting that presence i mean i can't tell you how many experiences i had when i would go on trips to mexico surfing i collect heart rocks Uh uh-huh and either before or after i had you know one of the best surfs of my life i would look down and see this beautiful heart rock sitting right in front Mm -hmm. of me why would that happen Mm -hmm. other than to, to, to show me that i'm not alone and that my desires are being as well met as possible under those circumstances. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times people come up to me after I surfed and said, how come you get so many good waves? And I would never want to tell them my secret because I don't want to give away my secret. <laughs> my is? secret was I'd be sitting in the water the whole time talking to God while I was sitting there. Okay, so this is kind of the same, <laughs> but a little different. So I've <laughs> my whole life I've had really bad parking karma. Can't find a spot ever, (laughs) ever, ever. And then one day, this was probably four years ago. I'm like, you know what? No, Uh I, no, God, no, I don't have bad parking karma. I have the best parking karma. And God is going to like help me with that. (laughs) I get a spot everywhere now. I I know it sounds crazy, but Uh it is a joke. Like I just laugh when I'm pulling in in the front row of wherever I'm going all the time. But Uh five years ago, I, I'm parking blocks away, <laughs> but it, again, it's just like, no, 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 nope. God help me out with that. Like, how are we going to do this? And there we go. Yeah. I can park where, wherever I want now. <laughs> well, and I know that we're just giving examples that seem kind of silly in a way, Yeah. but not really because I think it's developing a relationship and trusting that relationship and, 
and exercising the relationship every day. Yeah, I agree. In some way or another. I agree. And I just, even if you, if you don't, you know, you're sitting there waiting for the signs or you're waiting for the whisper or whatever, just the fact that you are being present and being quiet and not making judgments, I think is going to be beneficial in your life. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's part of the process. Like, God's well, I, th- like, okay. I think it's a joint venture. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a really stupid joke about it. this guy who uh, spent his whole life wanting to win the lottery. And, um, you know, every, he would pray all the time and ask God to help him win the lottery. Mm-hmm. And he died. And he, you know, went before God and he said, come on, God, how come you didn't, I mean, I prayed, I was faithful, you know, how come I never won? And God said to him, well, you never bought a ticket, (laughs) (laughs) which I know is really dumb, but I think it illustrates the point that it's a joint venture. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's asking, receiving, trying to be of service, helping as many people as you can. Yeah. And that's also what you know, religion says as well, uh-huh. you know, so it's, it really is the two can go hand in hand, except for when it comes to sort of the evil part of it. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. kind of the problem. How would you say, what, what do you think the best way is to sort of pass down your spirit or, or show your spiritual beliefs? Um, meaning, you don't, so I get really annoyed. I, I call these people spiritually aggressive people where they're the ones that are like, oh my God, I've been meditating and now uh-huh. I've got to go to this, you know, retreat that's costing $6,000 to take the mushrooms to find God. And uh-huh. I mean, and it's funny because we get annoyed when religious people throw their religious and uh-huh. beliefs in front of us constantly. But spiritual people, a lot of them just think that they can just say that too. And I don't know if it's a, you know, let me show you how spiritual I am, if it's that. But what is a good way to kind of pass on or share good practices around spirituality to, I don't know, friends, family, whatever? I I mean, again, because I'm maybe a simple-minded person, I want it to be simple. Mm -hmm. So... If you need it to be complicated, then go do all of the different things that will help you open up to the possibility. Mm-hmm. I'm not against any of it, as long as it doesn't cause any harm. Right. But I also believe that it's, for me, just me personally, not necessary. Because I don't want my life to be complicated. Yeah, I don't want to have to go to a seminar and do all of that stuff unless I'm in the mood. But I think you're in that place. I think you got to that place pretty early where you could hear the whispers. But that's because I don't doubt what it is that I hear. Right. But it's at one point you did. Well, at one point I wasn't hearing anything because I wasn't necessarily open to it. Although I know I've always been a very intuitive person. Right. I never understood where it came from. Did you know that even before this came about? Yeah, because everywhere everywhere I went all the time, people would sit down next to me and start telling me their problems. And I think, why are you doing this? You don't even know me. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something about my energy that people felt like they could spill anything and everything. Yes. Yeah. So I just figured there was something about me that was... Um, and when I was in therapy for a long, long time, I was not connected in any way to uh, the spiritual side of things. But this therapist I saw helped me understand how powerful and important it was to rely on your intuition. Mm-hmm. 
It just was not named as the voice of God. Yeah. It came later. Yeah. But I will tell you that I absolutely never question what my intuition tells me, ever. I never doubt it. I never question it. But how do you know it's intuition and not just a thought? I mean, this could be another podcast, but... Because of the way it feels. How does it feel? It feels uh, important and deep and meaningful. And if I do feel like I'm being um, confounded by my fear, Mm -hmm. that's when I ask. Like I did when I was in the park and I was feeling scared of making a decision prematurely and I could not tell the difference between my fear and the intuition that was telling me that it was time. Mm -hmm. I asked for help Mm -hmm. because I did straight out say, okay, God, I can't tell how much my fear is influencing the, what I feel inside. And so then I got a more direct message because I asked. Right. And just like on a daily basis, how all the time, all the time, all the time, middle of the night when I'm dreaming, Mm -hmm. when I'm awake, Mm -hmm. I drive my wife insane because there's always a song playing in my head. Right. Always. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like just I got a jukebox inside my head that's playing music all the time. Yeah. And a lot of times there are songs I haven't thought about in a million years or whatever, but there's always a message underneath that would be good for me to kind of pay attention to in that moment. And has, how are your children around spirituality? Do they, I think my intuition? son kind of thinks I'm nuts mm-hmm. in a certain way because he's way more cynical and I'm not sure how much he really believes in any of any of this. Mm-hmm. He's lived an awfully charmed life for somebody that uh, uh, takes it for granted. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, I think uh, because she is actually the producer of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so she gets to hear all this stuff over and over again. Hi, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> influenced her a bit more. Yes. Yeah. And what, you know, what she, about Susan? Oh, she has a very deep faith. It's different than mine. Um, in a certain way. Is it religious or spiritual? Well, she grew up in a sort of mild religious environment where she wasn't made to feel ashamed of herself for not believing or whatever. So when she was a teenager, she started going to all the different churches and temples all around the Bay Area, just trying to figure out what everybody had to say. So she's been much more graceful and open-minded about all this stuff than me. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a, a sort of intense emotional reaction in the world like I do to almost everything. So it's been easier for her in a certain way. Do you ever feel like you get any advice that you misread? Uh, You mean intuitively? Yeah. No, I really don't. And I know that sounds weird and maybe arrogant or whatever it is, but I think that the more faith that you have, the more that you're willing to really honor what it is that you feel and learn to distinguish between the parts that are fueled by fear. Okay. The more sort of, sacred it becomes right and i think anybody can do this i don't believe i'm special in any way simple just ask just Just receive yeah and just listen yes and again the weird thing about being jewish is that there's no shame in receiving Mm -hmm. like there is in some other religious philosophies like when you're brought up jewish you're allowed to have the sense of entitlement is really overboard so i never had to worry about receiving this kind of stuff because right. <laughs> when you're right. Jewish, you're supposed to receive everything and then more. Yeah, yeah. And in my religion, I have to give, 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 give. <laughs> yeah. so, No, I couldn't possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to receive personally in a certain way, but not when it has to do with, with my connection, mm-hmm. my spiritual connection. I really feel very well met. Yeah. And it's really nice. It is very nice. I'm I, sure I, really I wish comforting. that God could make my pain go away and could, you know, heal my body and all that stuff just not in the cards so far. Yeah. Well, 
So anyway, um, I guess what I would love before we wrap things up is for people to consider it's not that complicated unless you really need it to be. And there's no harm in it being complicated if, mm-hmm. if that's what it takes in order for you to take it seriously. But I just see that with the people that are open to it, that find their way into my world professionally, it sure helps healing trauma. Have you seen that? Oh, my God, in ways that are um, really remarkable, right. actually. People will come in with no connection and then... Slowly develop one. Uh-huh. Um, again, last story. There's a man that I've been seeing for a while, um, not a long, long time. He just uh, decided to retire, and he just had this overwhelming feeling that it was uh, really important to go to UCLA and have an executive physical. Super healthy guy. I mean, he seemed fine to me. Right. And I asked him, why do you want to do this? It's super expensive and time-consuming and all. He said, I don't know. I just have this feeling I need to, um, to go through all of this. And it turns out in the end that he had a brain tumor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and no symptoms because it wasn't progressed enough to cause seizures or anything. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't go through this physical, he wouldn't have known he had a brain tumor wow. until it was serious enough to cause problems. And was he was he the kind of guy that would was listening to the he spirit was, speak to him? And it, was, part of our work together was my trying to encourage him that maybe the next chapter in his life would be of being of service mm-hmm. because now he has enough money where he never has to think about it again. Right. And that he's free to kind of help. Mm-hmm. He actually saved his daughter. He and his wife saved their, one of their daughter's lives, skin of their teeth, I guess. And he realized how good he was at helping. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been trying to help him get to a place where we would really listen to what his insights and he's been doing a really good job, and this is the, the outcome of it. Right, that's great. Is that he had surgery, and now he seems to be doing really well. Yeah. And they caught it very early, and he's really lucky. Wow, that was a very important sign to listen to. And that's just, a, you know, an example. And, I, you know, it sucks to have a brain tumor, obviously. He's not happy about it. Mm-hmm. But he's sure happy that he listened to what his insides were telling him about getting a, mm-hmm. getting a physical when there was no real reason to do it. Again, another example, if you're willing to listen, I think there's a lot more available to be of influence because it's only influence. Yes. Yeah, because then you're going to make up your own mind of what you want to do or if you even want to yeah. listen to it. Because uh-huh. some, you know, you may not want to wanted to put your cat down. Right? <laughs> well, I didn't want to, obviously. <laughs> well, I know, but then, I it mean, broke I'm assuming my heart. you did after you got all the signs, uh-huh. yeah. right? But you could have easily just been like, oh, I didn't see that. Nope. Yeah, and I'm only here because I've been given fair warning at times yes. when my life was in jeopardy. Yeah, I agree. So I've learned that the most dramatic ways possible, but that's because in order to get to me, it's got to be dramatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're here on this planet for a short time, so <laughs> let's let's get all the help that we can get. Well, that's, and that's why I look at it. Yeah. There's no harm. No, there's no harm. At least it doesn't seem like it to me. No, especially if it's as simple as just listening and being open and asking. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping that that at least a few people will listen to this and think, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be as complicated as I thought. Yeah. I think that's a great message uh, because I think that people do overcomplicate it. And I think like everything, as you said, we're overcomplicating everything. So you read this and they say, oh, you need to meditate. You read this and you need to like, you know, go on a 20 day ayahuasca thing like it's just no no no. let's just ask and listen yeah. be present yes and, and again the most important thing that i have to say about all this is that i really don't think i'm 
any different or special than anybody else. The only difference is that I listen and I treat it as though it's sacred. Yeah. And I think that that helps a lot. I think so too. It's obvious. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Once again, you joining me and us having this (laughs) good conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions. Feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.